Today we come to Mark chapter 10. Uh, Jesus teaches about marriage and divorce again. He speaks about how difficult it is for some to enter the kingdom of God. He foretells his death and resurrection for a third time in Mark's gospel. Uh, reminds James and John that the greatest in the kingdom are those who uh, like him are like him in laying down their lives to be a servant. And he heals a blind man. It's a full chapter again. So let's take a quick look at some, not nearly all, of the things that we see. Um, I love what Mark reminds us of in the very first verse. I like the phrase that he used, as was his custom, he taught them. He said he mentions that Jesus, in verse 1, he went into the region of Judea, quote, and again, as was his custom, he taught them. Jesus put a premium on teaching. Sure, as we've certainly seen Jesus perform many miracles, it seems that in almost every chapter we read, Jesus performs a miracle of some sort. However, as Mark states here in verse 1, Jesus didn't just happen to teach them. Rather, as was his custom, he taught them. Why did Jesus give such an emphasis on teaching them? Because as he would later tell the Jews in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 31 and 32. Peter acknowledged that Jesus possessed, in John 6, 68, he possessed the words of eternal life. Paul said in Romans 10, 17, you come to saving faith through hearing the word of Christ, and you, you walk steadily day by day in faith by hearing the word of Christ. And, and, and Paul would say that again in Colossians 3.16, that you continue in the faith by, by allowing the, the word of Christ to dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16. In fact, John says in 2 John verse 9, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not abide in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Don't neglect the regular reading and study of Scripture. If you're, re if you're, if you're hearing this and you're reading the, 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 through the New Testament in the New Testament challenge, that is, that's a good sign that for a, the moment you are taking God's Word seriously. But don't ever graduate. Don't be one of those, as John said, who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching. Well, let's think secondly about what Jesus says about marriage in this chapter. Uh, and uh, he continues the opening section, Mark does, and discusses the issue of marriage and divorce in response to a question from the Pharisees presented, verse 2, in order to test Jesus. They wanted to hear if Jesus agreed or disagreed with what Moses said in Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. They were looking for even the tiniest slip-up in his words so that they, they could make their accusations against him. Jesus instead took them all the way back in verses 6 and 7 to the beginning of Genesis and reminded them of the creation ordinance in Genesis 2.24. Jesus reminded them of what God's design for marriage was from the very beginning. How could they argue with that? I want to note, note just two things about this account, though. First, you might have noticed that Mark does not give a qualifying exception regarding divorce in verses 11 and 12 as Matthew does in Matthew 5.32 and in Matthew 19.9. Matthew states that sexual immorality is an exception to the prohibition against divorce and remarriage. Mark and Luke, see Luke 16.18 on the contrary, say nothing about this exception. They merely give the simple prohibition. Remarriage after divorce is adultery. 
I, I don't believe, however, that Mark or Luke are intending to contradict the stated exception to this prohibition given by Matthew. It's also probable or notable that um, Paul gives a second exception in 1 Corinthians 7.15, that is desertion by an unbelieving spouse. I think it's likely that Mark and Luke make no mention of these exceptions, not to disagree with them or to contradict them, but rather simply to emphasize further the goal of permanence in marriage and the difficult consequences of separation and divorce. And this leads to a second observation about this. Secondly, the Pharisees came specifically asking about divorce. Jesus was right in reminding them that we should not spend our time debating when or how divorce is the appropriate route, but should instead spend our time plotting and planning how to make marriage work and stay intact. From the beginning, God had designs to save a people, uh, and starting in Genesis 3.15. And so it's not surprising that the Lord built into creation itself pictures and pointers of that saving design. And marriage is one of those pictures. The faithful union of a man and a woman in marriage illustrate the faithful union of Christ and his church, Ephesians 5. Christ and the church is, is the greater, more eternal reality. Earthly marriage is designed to be modeled after that pattern. Permanence, not divorce, should be the focal point of a marriage just as it is the reality of Christ and his church. So the Pharisees' question was misguided from the beginning. Uh, and I guess the, the last thing I'd want to point out about uh, Mark chapter 10, I might call it health and wealth, shock and awe. Health and wealth, shock and awe. In verses uh, 17 through 31, we read about the encounter Jesus had with the rich young man desiring to inherit eternal life. And the man claimed to have kept all the Ten Commandments, but through being asked to sell all his possessions and give to the poor, Jesus made it clear that he had not even kept the first commandment to have no other gods before me. And the man walks away sorrowful and dejected, verse 22, and Jesus continues to talk to his disciples about how dangerous riches and earthly comforts can be to our desire for God's kingdom. But one thing that struck me as I read this, these verses is how many times we read that the disciples were amazed or astonished. I count three times. In verse 24, we're told that the disciples were amazed. Uh, the Greek word there is thombeo, to be shocked at Jesus' assertion that it is difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus then gave them the mental picture of a camel going through the eye of a needle with greater ease than a rich man entering the kingdom of heaven, verse 25. At this, we read that the disciples were exceedingly astonished, a different uh, Greek word here, ekpleso, ekpleso, to be genuinely amazed. Incidentally, they are shocked again in verse 32, thombeo again, as in verse 24. Why were they in such a state of shock and exceeding, exceeding astonishment? Uh, it, was, it was at Jesus' suggestion that wealth was not necessarily a sign of God's favor on a person. Their assumption was perhaps uh, this man uh, coming to Jesus was already in favor with God as evidenced by his great means. After all, Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. And make no mistake, Deuteronomy 18, 8, excuse me, Deuteronomy 8.18 does say, It is the Lord who gives you power to get wealth. However, 
As the story of Job should have taught them, there is no direct correlation between wealth or the lack thereof and the pleasure or displeasure of God. In fact, Jesus highlights the danger of wealth more than the blessing of wealth. And this is what makes the health, wealth, and prosperity teaching uh, prevalent in, in, um, in the world today so destructive and dangerous. Man is still falling into the trap of equating material blessing with spiritual blessing. And don't fall for it. God wants us to value our heavenly treasure and home more than our earthly treasure and home. Read Matthew 6 again if you don't believe me. To that end, the Lord often causes his children, eternally loved, mind you, to experience lean periods as well as times of plenty. Paul said that in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. The moral of the story is, if your bank account is lean, thank God and honor him with what he's given you. And if your bank account is abundant, Thank God and honor him with what he's given you. And if you see a health and wealth preacher on TV, change the channel. And that's Mark chapter 10.